This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Hey, 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 profiteers. Welcome back for episode number 108 of the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I am your host, Eric Rosenberg, and I am super excited about today's guest. She's someone I met at FinCon. We actually met about two years ago. We rode a bus together. We sat next to each other on the way to an event at Stone Brewing Company for a handful of bloggers at the conference. So I had really good beer and really good conversation at the same time, thanks to the combination of Lynette and Stone Brewing. But today, we're not talking about beer. We are digging into some awesome personal finance finance tips. Lynette has a really unique and cool background. We're going to talk about that more in the show, so I won't repeat a lot here, but she's been on huge shows, national talk shows like Oprah, and has helped a lot of people get out of tough money situations, including herself, and built up to a better one. So this this recording went a little longer than our usual, but everything was so good and so juicy and so valuable, I didn't want to stop it. So I'm going to stop myself from talking right now so we can get into Lynette talking because her money tips are so valuable. And as I said, because she's helped so many people, odds are she'll have at least something in there that we can all learn to help our own personal finance situations. So we will dive into that right now on the Personal Profitability Podcast. All right, Profiteers, I am here with the woman of the hour. Lynette, are you ready to get profitable? I am raring to go and ready to help your audience get profitable too. I love it. That is so exciting. So you have had, your your history is, is really impressive. You're looking at your career path. You started way back in media in Los Angeles a, a while back, and you evolved your career over time to become you know, the money coach, the, the one we, we look to who's been on you know, Oprah, Dr. Phil, lots of big shows like that. What was your path and, and your inspiration for taking your career from working as a journalist into helping people with their money? Well, a lot of it was born out of my own personal trials and tribulations, honestly. And Eric, you were so gracious and, and diplomatic as to not <laughs> as to not date me <laughs> when you said, "Oh, you you know, like you've been a, you've been in business a long time, and you know, <laughs> and you started in L.A. Yeah, that was a while ago." Um, but but really, I did start as a financial journalist. But initially, I was just kind of a beat reporter, you know, in in L.A. um, with the Associated Press. I moved to Philly. And while I was uh, a reporter by day for the Philadelphia Inquirer and assistant producer and a writer by night at Fox uh, in Philadelphia, some of my friends in the media said, oh, hey, we're going up to New York for a conference at, at a Newsday conference. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? You guys want to go from Philly to New York? What I mean, like, I'm not going to go travel two states, you know, across, across New Jersey and then to New York to, to get a job. And they said, no, 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 you know, because you're used to California and on the, you know, on the West Coast, that all that crazy Southern California traffic. Um, <laughs> but they said, everybody here is really mobile. So we, you know, we often commute and we, yeah, we, it, there's no big deal to go from Philly to New York every single day. And so long story short, when I went to this Newsday job conference, I ended up getting a job with Dow Jones 
Uh, and, you know, at the time they were the parent company of the Wall Street Journal. And so I did, in fact, commute <laughs> for a couple years from Philadelphia to New York um, every single day. And that was my entree really into financial journalism and kind of writing and talking about money matters. You know, when I kind of got into it, I really found that I loved it. And I started covering Wall Street and interviewing a lot of uh, financial experts, stockbrokers and traders and CFPs and money managers. And I would always just ask them kind of what worked with their clients and what strategies they were sharing to help people to build wealth. And then I was like, oh, okay, this isn't rocket science. I, I can do this too. <laughs> <laughs> At least I can explain it to others. I didn't know how well I could actually execute since in my own life, it was kind of a financial mess, uh, you know, at the time. Really, it was through what I call boot camp at Dow Jones that I really uh, developed a passion and an interest in uh, talking about personal finances. And ultimately, after spending a decade with Dow Jones and you know doing a couple of iterations with, through a TV career at CNBC, I was a Wall Street Journal uh, reporter for CNBC, and, and Dow Jones, again, owned the Wall Street Journal. Through all of that, great time there, but ultimately they showed me the door. <laughs> me and about, uh, you know, 200 other people got fired during one of the big waves of downsizing. Uh, they couldn't afford us uh, six-figure wage earners anymore. And even though I kind of pouted and, and said, oh man, it's not right, it's not fair. I thought I had a contract. This was, you know, when I was on air at CNBC as, as a Wall Street Journal reporter for CNBC, that actually was a blessing in disguise because it forced me into entrepreneurship. And that was back in 2003. And now it's been 15 years that I've owned my own company. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I haven't looked back and it's great. And, you know, so I, I really, I love it. So sometimes you don't know, you know, one door closes and the other one opens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just at the start of year three of self-employment. So I'm loving being on that same train as you. So I have to ask, when you left, you know, it, it was a, you know, since it wasn't a planned, gracious exit from that business, right. like all your coworkers, Hardly. what was the landing like when you hit the ground and decided to start your own company? Well, I was fortunate in a number of aspects. One is that I did have notice. So I had several months notice before the layoff actually happened. Two was that, because I had been very well compensated, I actually had amassed a nest egg, which unfortunately I, I just kind of tore right through. But I really did have, I had a six-figure 401k plan because I had been saving, uh, you know, kind of aggressively in my retirement plan. Um, I used it to start the business. And again, I don't recommend this now to people. I certainly wouldn't, you know, that you deplete those assets like I did. But I think that my landing was softer than many people, perhaps, because A, I had built up those cash reserves, and also B, I did, in fact, get a severance package. Uh, again, I wasn't one of those people who was like, oh, my God, I'm scraping for the next job. In fact, I was offered another job at CNN, for example, but I turned it down because I really said, this is it for me. One downsizing in my life. That's all I need to experience. <laughs> it's, it's time for me to go um, the entrepreneurial path. And um, and that's exactly what I did. 
I know one thing that you've helped a lot of people with is managing debt. You know, debt is such a huge problem today. We have student debt that you know, is over a trillion dollars now. It's like a mind-blowing figure. And credit card debt is not too far behind, last I read, and also in the trillion-dollar range. Uh, so for individuals, though, you know, not, not the economy as a whole, what strategies have you seen really work for people who are trying to get out of credit card debt? Well, you mentioned two of the biggest debt monsters in the country. <laughs> um, and you're right first about student loan debt. There is actually uh, just about $1.5 trillion in student loan debt, record levels. We've got about 44 million Americans in college debt. And then, yes, you're also accurate that the $1 trillion on the consumer debt side regarding credit card debt is also outstanding. And it's shocking to me when I look back at these cycles because that figure is also a record level. It's even more than we had during the Great Recession, you know, back in the 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12 period when there was just a big financial mess after the mortgage crisis and all yeah. of that. So sometimes I think we don't learn our lessons, you know. <laughs> Some of the strategies to get yourself out of credit card debt in particular, which is the first thing you asked about, A, when you find that you're in a hole, you got to stop digging. <laughs> so um, many people refuse to come to terms with the fact that if they're kind of buried and deep in debt, that doing the same thing that they've done, which is constantly whipping out plastic the problem isn't going to go away and they're not going to magically come up with some solution. So sometimes I find that it's uh, imperative to get people to think about what they're actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And people who are deep in debt often keep spending. And I, and I get it, part of the mindset, especially when you get deep, deep, deep in debt. And I was one of those, you know, I had almost, uh, not even almost, I had $100,000 at my worst point. I had $100,000 in credit card debt alone. Um, and, and fortunately, I paid it all off in three years. And then, you know, I wrote this book about it, uh, Zero Debt, The Ultimate Guide to Financial Freedom. It wound up becoming a New York Times bestseller. But I'm sharing all that to say that sometimes when people are in debt, they think, oh, God, I got $15,000 worth of debt what difference is $300 more going to make? And so they'll charge even more, you know, and the, or they keep the same spending patterns. So you have to break that mindset that debt is okay or that everybody has debt or how much difference is it going to make if I keep, you know, uh, spending because I'm already in this mess anyway. Then I think also, in, uh, you know, talking about the effective strategies to get out of debt, no minimum payments. You have to aggressively repay what you owe. And unfortunately, uh, most people who are in debt keep making bank requested minimum payments. And, and lenders, they typically only ask you to pay about one to 2% of your outstanding balances. So if you do that, I mean, you'll just stay mired in debt year after year, potentially decade after decade. So you've got to double or even triple those payments um, if you can. If you can't just pay something above the minimums, pay whatever you can afford. Um, I certainly did you know that. You can use windfalls. That's a very effective strategy to get out of debt. Uh, windfalls are you know any lump sums, anything that comes outside of your normal paycheck, like an income tax refund check, a bonus you might get on the job, 
an insurance settlement, divorce proceeds, um, you know, holiday gift money or something that comes out of the blue from the grandparents or whatever. You've got to take those extra lump sums of cash and sock it towards the debt to be rid of it. And then just negotiating with your creditors. If you have credit card debt, it helps a lot. When I was deep in debt, and this was way back in the 2001 to 2004 timeframe, I got out of debt more quickly by negotiating with all of my credit card issuers. So at the time, all of my interest rates were under 4.9%. They were all 4.9% and lower. I had some at 2.9%. I had several at 0%. What helped me, of course, was that I was willing to get on the phone and to say, hey, listen, you know what? I've been a good customer. I've been with you for you know six years, eight years. Um, you see my payment track record. I've never missed any payments. I've never been late, but I'm in the process of cleaning up my uh, debts and I want to know what's the best possible interest rate I can get. Or I would sometimes even say, I just got another credit card offer in the mail from your creditor, which was true, you know, and they're offering me an introductory rate of 0% or 2.9%. Can you match or beat that offer? And frequently the answer was yes. And so I do encourage people not to be shy about asking for a lower interest rate as well, because it's often yours for the asking. That's a really cool tip. You know, and number one and two on that list were strategies I used to pay off my $40,000 student loans in two years. So I'm another living case study that making aggressive payments and putting every lump sum dollar into debt works. It was uh, two years and six days after graduation. But it always eats away at me that I didn't get payday a week earlier because then I could have said under two years. Okay, my debt. No, the two years and six days. <laughs> but don't worry about it. Still, you know what? What a great success story because you got me beat by eons. Listen to this, Eric. I mean, this this shows you the, the insanity of it all, how sometimes when you're deep in debt, you don't have the financial clarity that you need to really look at things objectively and to have, you know, perspective. So two things. One, I had bought into the myth you know, oh, well, you know, college debt is good debt and, you know, it's going to increase my earnings potential and it's, you know, an investment in my future. And those things were definitely true. But that kind of mindset led me to also be a little bit lackadaisical with my student loans and to put them on autopilot. I, I knew that credit card debt was, quote unquote, bad debt and so-called bad debt in that it was for things that I had purchased that, you know, definitely just uh, no appreciating assets or anything like that. Um, although I should tell you a story about that. There, there was something that I brought that with credit that, that turned out to be appreciation, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But long story short, you know, certainly buying a flat screen TV or any of the trips that I took <laughs> to, to go, you know, uh, on vacation, none of that stuff you know, you buy a sweater, you pay for a meal, you consume something. And even if you just buy a product and bring it home, it's, it's just going to go down in value. So, you know, that's one of the, the uh, limiting factors of, of having uh, revolving debt like that. Even though I was aggressive and paid off $100,000 of credit card debt in three years, you'll never guess how long it took me to pay off my student loans. My College debt was about $40,000. And, you know, I was raised in, in Southern Cal mm -hmm. and I went to UC Irvine 
for undergrad. I had very modest, small amounts of, of loans in undergrad. But then when I went to graduate school at USC in Los Angeles, I did a two-year program in broadcast journalism, and that's when I racked up the you know much larger uh, student loans. And so I came out of grad school with forty thousand in student loan debt, and it took me pretty much just about fifteen years <laughs> to pay off my college loans. And a big chunk of it, when I look back, it was because I was so boneheaded. I was just, I just put it on autopilot. I was paying the minimums. I was like, okay, great. I never felt it. I never looked at those loans. And then like after a long time, after I had been earning, you know, good money that I could have totally tripled my payments easily and wouldn't have even felt it. I was like, wait a minute, these loans are still, you know, (laughs) lingering and languishing is really a better word around here. I haven't paid off this. So that's when I said, oh, okay, let me start. So I started paying chunks and, and, you know, triple the payments and, and that kind of thing. But it really wasn't until I focused and paid attention to it and made it a priority that that debt went away as well. Well, at least the, uh, the interest rate wasn't as bad as those credit cards. Yeah. Forgetting about credit cards with what, 15, 20, 25% interest. That, that hurts a lot more than student loans that hopefully you had. I'm trying to think what the interest rates would have been in those days, maybe six, 7%. See, I don't even want to tell you the year. So, <laughs> but yeah, you're correct. And I mean, even the, you know, they're definitely low single digits and, and, um, but you know, again, fortunately my credit card debt got into the low single digits as well. And I'll tell you your audience, this just by way of debt reduction and a strategy, you know, we often hear for, Uh, folks who are in debt and especially credit card debt who want to get rid of it, people say, you know, pay off your high interest rate credit card debt first. And believe it or not, Eric, I'm like in the total minority on that. 99% of, you know, financial experts out there are going to say pay off your high rate credit card debt first. I'm in that camp usually. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to be until I had to pay off my own credit card debt. (laughs) And so let me tell you why now I don't espouse that strategy uniquely. And certainly I don't tell people only to pay off high rate credit card debt first. My advice instead is to have people to assess what's going on in their lives and to attack what's truly bothering them and to really go after their own area of pain. And again, now, because I've been doing this for 15 years in terms of financial coaching and um, helping people to, to manage debt and improve their credit and save more and pay for college education, a whole bunch of other things. I really see that when it comes to credit card debt, there's pretty much three areas of pain. First is no question about what you raised, the people who are paying high interest rates. You know, it might be a 13 to 14, 15% average right now, but some people have what's called default or penalty rates if they paid late in the past, et cetera. Like and 30% so they percent often on that. Yeah, 29.99 on those. <laughs> exactly. So what, you know, a 14.9% rate gets doubled and you're right. It's like, th- you know, almost 30%. So I'm sure that hurts. I never had that, but I know that that's financially crippling. So that's one area of pain, having high interest rates. But there's other two areas that people often forget about. And one is folks who have high dollar balances on their credit cards. Now that was me. I had big credit lines and 
the creditors gave me those ex those lines. They extended the, that credit to me because I was such a quote unquote good payer. And by good, I mean not good for me. It was good for the banks right. <laughs> in terms of being a on time payer and being a minimum payment paying person initially. They knew they could collect their money from me and they knew I wasn't late. You're a profitable customer. <laughs> exactly. A profitable customer. So at the end of the day, when I wanted to pay off the debts, I realized that what was bothering me, especially after I had negotiated and got lower interest rates, what was bothering me wasn't the interest rates. I got, I had low interest rates. What was bothering me was that I was maxed out. I really got to the point that was my sort of hitting rock bottom. My, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do a turnaround Frankly, I wanted to not have to worry about, you know, being in a restaurant and giving somebody my credit card and worrying that when the server is walking back to me, the waiter or waitress, and it, it, to, to me, it kind of looked like they were like walking in slow motion, coming back to my table. And I'm just like frantic thinking, oh my God, I hope I'm not going to be embarrassed, you know, <laughs> sitting here with a friend or with a <laughs> colleague or a family member when I just whipped out my card to pay. So you, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it's embarrassing when they go, oh, I'm sorry, your card's been declined. So I was worried. Then I got to the point when I was just maxed out. So for me, the problem, the pain point was really that all of my credit cards were pretty much at their limits. The card that had a $10,000 balance, well, I had charged $9,998 on that, you know? The card that had a $15,000 credit limit, well, I was at $14,999 on that. So my true problem was that I hated seeing all these high dollar balances all the time. And frankly, I got to the point where I couldn't use them anymore because I was so maxed out. The third area of pain for some people is that they just have too many credit cards and they can't even keep up with them all. So often I'll find that if you tell somebody to attack your own area of pain and you explain to them that there's three different areas of pain that you might be experiencing, high interest rates, high dollar balances, or maybe you even have low dollar balances, but you have so many credit cards, you can't even keep on, on top of everything. People will immediately get it and know what resonates with them. And when I started attacking my high dollar balance cards and I started seeing my balances go down, it was very motivational for me to keep with the plan and to keep paying off my debts. Likewise, I've had many, many coaching clients. They'll start off at the ones who say, oh, you know what? I have 15 credit cards and I can't even keep up with them all. And so I'll tell them, listen, this card has just $400 balance. This one has 280. This one has 900. Let's start with the card that has 280. Let's knock that one out. Then let's go to the one with a $400 balance. Then the one with a $900 balance. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah. yeah. They effectively use kind of the snowball method to pay off the lower dollar balance cards first and get rid of the card altogether. I don't mean close the account out. I just mean, you know, put it to the side and not use it anymore. But once they finish paying off that first card with the lowest dollar balance first, they can take the payments that they've been applying to that and then go to the next card. And then once they knock out the next card with the lowest dollar balance, they can apply both of those payments to the next card. So it's very effective, but the 
single most important reason why this strategy is important is because of human nature. Human nature is such that if you have to do something different and shift your behavior and change what you've been doing, you want to see immediate results. Just like if you say, I want to go to the gym and I want to lose 20 pounds and you sweat away, you know, the first week you don't eat any chocolate chip or cookies or cake or whatever. And you are in the gym two hours a day and then you step on the scale at the end of the week. But you see, oh, my God, I didn't budge. My weight is exactly the same. You would be so depressed and so upset about not seeing results. So likewise, what happens when we tell people to just pay off your high interest rate credit card debt first when we tell people to do that strategy, is it potentially going to save them the most amount of money? Yes. But in reality, they probably won't because human nature will take over. They won't stick with that payment plan. That payment plan only works if, and it's a big if, if people stick with the plan. But if they see I've been paying these cards with the highest interest rate first, I'm paying the payments, and then they get the next statement and the statement has barely budged. And the reason is there, you know, there, there's so much interest on that debt that their payments are pretty much only covering the interest. Right. That's very discouraging for people. And most people will fall off of that and not stick with the plan. Yeah, and that's a very good point. Yeah, there's that psychological uh, part of you know, getting a win right away is, is huge for a lot of people. So I, I totally get that. I've, Absolutely. Actually, would you guess how many credit cards I have open right now? Given I'm, I'm not in any debt, I pay them off in full every month. I have to asterisk that. <laughs> okay. How many that you have that are open, you said? Yeah, open and active um, credit card accounts. Uh, half a dozen? Six? You were, you were halfway there almost. I have 14. But I'm a big 14. travel hacker. So for oh, me, it's oh, so a I different was strategy. Say, I was, I was, <laughs> and see, this is funny because I had a conversation with my mom the other day. She was telling me about um, a site and uh, about, she was saying, oh, Credit Karma keeps, uh, I'm sorry, not Credit Karma. She was telling me about Credit Sesame. And she said, Credit Sesame, they keep telling me to, um, here, I could, you know, open this account and I could, you know, get this benefits. And she said, I don't know why they keep telling me to do this. And um, I don't want to get deeper in debt. And I said, well, mom, they're saying that because you're not the right target customer. Yeah. <laughs> I said, believe it or not, there are people like us who pay off their balances in full every single month. And so, you know, you're you're getting the benefit of using the card. You're getting miles and points and hotel stays and airline, you know, free travel, et cetera. I said, but no, 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 this is not for you just right now, mom. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, yes, travel hacking, all, all those cards, they only... It only makes sense for people who will pay them off in full every month. Because otherwise, the interest costs you more than the benefits you get back. And that's why that's the banks right. do it. They don't do it out of the goodness of their heart. They do it to make money. That's right. <laughs> that's it's a, it's, a, it's a profit center for them. No question about it. Yes. Well, anyway, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I loved those, those credit card and debt tips and your personal stories. They were very interesting, helpful, and inspiring for, for those who are still trying to get out of debt. Do what Lynette did. Pay it off. Pay off those credit cards. Make them go away. Your life will be better. So if you want to learn more, if we want to connect, I know you're a speaker, you do coaching, you have courses. Where should people go to learn more? Well, they should definitely check out first the free financial advice site that I operate with my husband, Earl Cox. It's called askthemoneycoach.com. We have about 1,600 plus articles on the site on uh, about 28 different 
personal finance and money management topics. You mentioned the coaching. Yes, I do coaching as well. And I have video-based coaching and uh, video-based courses as well online at moneycoachuniversity.com. Some of the courses are free and some are paid. So they run the gamut, but folks can also just connect with me on social media, you know, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and all that good stuff. Everything is just at the money coach. Awesome. Well, we will have links to everything you just mentioned at the show notes as always. So it'll be easy for you listeners to go out and connect. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me, Eric. Appreciate it. There is another one in the can, ladies and gentlemen. As always, you can find links and uh, everything we talked about, <laughs> links to all that good stuff at the show notes at personalprofitability.com. Today's link is at personalprofitability.com slash episode 108. Make sure to check out Lynette's site and all that good stuff. And we're just about two weeks out from the 4th of July, a fun holiday here in the United States. So I am getting packed up soon to head over to Denver where I grew up to spend the holiday week with my family. I'm super excited about that. If you guys have any fun July 4th travel plans, please let me know on Twitter. I'm Eric Profits on Twitter. I'd love to know what you're doing. If you're going anywhere fun that I've been before, I would love to share tips and fun ideas to enjoy those destinations on a budget. Saving money while traveling is a huge thing to me. So we should talk about that on an episode soon, don't you think? I think so. But for today, we hopefully learned a lot about saving money and other good uh, tips to get out of debt and get on the right track to meet our money goals. That's what this podcast is really all about. I want to help you succeed in reaching every money goal you have. So thanks for being a part of the community. Thanks for leaving a rating on the, on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. A five-star rating and a review means a lot to me. Tell other people what the show's about so they can find it. You know, again, that's a huge help. It doesn't cost you a cent. It just costs you a couple minutes of your time. And thanks for sticking around till the end. Until next time, stay profitable. Oh, 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 oh,